Here God is moving right down through the line, just like he said he was, but he isn't excluding no one. And it's a message to the church today. Every last one of us walking the face of this earth is important to God. Welcome to The Healing Touch with Bishop Ronald F. Kimball, presiding bishop of the Life Center Churches. You can find out more about Bishop Kimball and Life Center Church at www.thelifecenter.org. Now, here's Bishop Kimball with today's message. Today, I want to celebrate Mother's Day, and as much as I want to talk, talk about or teach about repentance, I will speak about a mother and a daughter. But I want to add words to the end of that, a mother-in-law and a daughter-in-law. We all know the story of Ruth, or we heard something about Ruth and Naomi, but God has always got a higher purpose and a higher plan. I believe in what the church father said, if you can only get the literal understanding of the scripture, you fail to miss the spiritual under understanding. So when we see the scripture, we see God working through the lives of all kinds of people, but there's a message, there's a purpose that God have in mind that he wants to fulfill. Even during the times that we're living in here, in this world, and especially in America and other parts of the world, we call this a pandemic. There's a purpose. It's much higher than what we can ever imagine. Isaiah the prophet brings to our attention about God. God lets us know, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. As far as it is from earth to heaven, that's just how much distance in our understanding, which means me being mortal can never fully comprehend an immortal God. And I'll mention a little bit about that later. But God's purpose here in the story of Ruth, 23 times the word, a word affiliated with redemption is missing. It all depends on what version you have. So we have to get the redemption picture when we look at Naomi and Ruth and the situation surrounded it. I think that's very, very important. Now, when we look at the characters that God is using here, I want to back up just a little bit. Jesus' lineage included so many people that we would look down on the despised today, but God saw fit to include them in his lineage. Nobody was left out. You know, when I say nobody was left out, it wasn't all good people. It was some bad people. Tamar was a Canaanite woman, and she married Judah's son. He died, and she tricked her father-in-law into sleeping with her, and they had a son named Perez. He followed the lineage of David. What about Rahab the harlot? She was all part of the lineage of Jesus, too. You know who she married? Uh, she married a man named Salmon, and they had a son named Boaz. Boaz's mother was a harlot. Wow. And Boaz and Ruth had a son. His name was Obed. Obed had a son named Jesse. Jesse had a son named David. Here God is moving right down 
through the line, just like he said he was, but he isn't excluding no one. And it's a message to the church today. Every last one of us walking the face of this earth is important to God. And it will do the church no justice when we look at people outside of it, it's what we call it, as being somebody to be looked down on, to be talked about, to stay away from. That's the very opposite of what Jesus did. The common people heard him gladly. It was the religious people. It was the scribes, the Pharisees, and those that thought they were already in the kingdom. And we'll get to that. But I receive letters. I don't do this, but I want to do this now. And I want to start doing it, address some of these issues, because this is very, very important. It was from the Jacksonville area. I don't know if it's a man or woman. It signed, In God's Care, Psalms 95, verse 7. And I want to read a portion of this, and we're going to get to a dedicated mother and a law daughter-in-law. Mother-in-law, daughter-in-law. I'm not going to read the whole letter. I'm just going to read a question in relation to the prodigal son who came home and they had a party. They made merry. They was glad. And she asked me this question. My question is this. I've seen people give their heart to God, repent. But there was no eating, making merry for them. Many programs are held in churches, but why isn't this example followed or practice? That was the question. Thank you for taking the time to read my letter. This question has been in the back of my mind. Well, and God's care has been in the back of my mind too. As a matter of fact, it's been in the forefront of my mind lately. We take lightly the salvation of God. We are more concentrated or concentrating on church members, not disciples. Jesus said before he left, these are his words, go into all the world and make disciple of all the nations. He tells Peter, upon this rock, I build my church. This is something that we really should consider. Go into all the world, make disciples. So it's coming to church, disciple making. Um, well, in a way it is, if you part of a, another aspect of it, if this is the teaching part of it, I can understand that. But discipleship is not what you do in church. It's what you do outside. Jesus took 12 men off the street is what we would call it. As a matter of fact, it was 11. One of them was a devil. And he took those men and he walked with those men through everyday life. He caused them to see or allowed them to see how he interacted with all kinds of people, sick people, dead people, people with leprosy, people who had committed adultery, a woman who was living with a man that wasn't a husband, he dealt with all of this, everything we deal with today, everything we deal with today and more. How did he deal with it? He was teaching them, you don't disciple people condemning them. You don't disciple people putting them down or causing them to look worse than who they really are. And Jesus said one day, these are sheep without shepherds. 
They're not derelicts. They're not castaways. God's sheep who needs a shepherd. And this is the attitude we must have as God's people. We are the ones who are shepherding them back to Jesus. And it's going to take more than a Sunday morning service and a Tuesday, Wednesday night, a weekly Bible study. It's going to take more than that. I want to open you up to something today as we get to the book of Ruth. But bear in mind, there's an underlining current running here. And God is setting something up for the next phase of his work. Ruth married Boaz in this part of the scripture. And she had to go back to Bethlehem to marry Boaz. But while they were in, so let's turn to it here, in the book of Ruth, chapter 1. Elimelech, who is Ruth's father-in-law, as we would have it down the road, married to Naomi, took their two sons from Bethlehem because it was a famine and they wanted to find, I guess, a place that had a little bit more to offer. They went to Moab outside of the promised land. And people do move about, but God always remember this. Nobody's operating on their own. No, nobody. You ain't moving about because this is what you think is best for you. God is in all of this. Even during this pandemic, there have been a lot of movement. People here, there, and looking for something better. But God is behind it all. They go to Moab, and they get to Moab, and something happened. Elimelech dies. Now Naomi is left with her two sons. Short while later, guess what happened? They pass after they'd gotten married. I don't want to go too far in the story without bringing this out. They married. One married Ruth and one married the other daughter, Oprah. Both sons die. Husband die. Now Naomi has got nothing. She left Bethlehem came to Moab and lost everything. God is working. That's all I could say. In your darkest day, God is working. He made a promises back in Genesis. And we see in the scripture, God worked with all kinds of people through all kinds of situations under all kinds of circumstances to get a message to humanity. So when you read the scripture and you only get what's going on with that person in the scripture, you're missing the message for you. You have to find yourself in this. That's very, very important. Now, Naomi is without husband, without sons, She's a widow. The two daughters that these brothers married, they're widows. So you have three widow women. Wow. What's going on here? Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Ruth 1.8, go return each of you to her mother's house. Y'all go home. Go, go back to your mother's. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. You have been kind to me and may God return the favor to you. May the Lord grant that you may find rest each in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them and they lifted up their voices and wept. Sad day. 
And they said to her, no, but we will surely return with you to your people. Both of those daughters-in-law wanted to go back with Naomi. She decided I'd go back home. But Naomi said, return my daughters. Why should you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? You know, it'll be some time if, if I got married tonight. It'll be 20 years before I have son for y'all to marry. That's, that's a long time. And she was looking out for that. Go back, go back home. She said, return my daughters. Go, for I am too old to have a husband. It's going to be too much time. I, don't, I, I can't bear son soon enough for you. If I said I have hope, if I should even have a husband tonight and also bear sons, would you therefore wait? until they were grown, and that's good. She's really trying to encourage them, just go, I'll be okay. Could you imagine the, the hurt, the sorrow with this woman? She left a place that she knew, well, it was a promised land in Bethlehem, and she goes to Moab, and you know Moab and the, the Israelites were not the best of people, but I guess at this time, they had developed some kind of relationship because when Israel was coming through the wilderness and they had permission to come through Moab, the Moabites said no. <laughs> and then God said, you know, uh, a Moabite could not come in the congregation of Israel for 10 generations. He, he didn't say they can never come in. He said 10 generations. That was God's way of dealing with them. Uh, you didn't let my people pass through. Here's a lesson. When you're dealing with God's people, be careful. Amen. Those are God's people. He put them here for a purpose. We don't have the authority to do what we want to do with people. And this is what frightens me about this government. This is what frightens me about this world. You can't handle God's property any kind of way you want to do it. You, you just can't do it. And this is why if the people of God, if we knew what really to pray for, we would pray for those in authority. This is what the apostle Paul tells Timothy. Pray for those in authority that we may live a quiet and a peaceable life. Pray for the government. Pray for those. Don't side with them. Pray for them. Amen. Pray for those in authority that we may live a quiet and a peaceable life. You know, there's a sign in America that I don't think we're reading. The government, when the government loses its perspective on what God wants or what right and wrong is, that nation, that family, that people are in trouble. If you don't see the trouble, you don't see what God is saying. Those in authority should be prayed for because if something happened, it's that level of authority, that level of men and women God will use to do what? To bring the peace and the deliverance or whatever he wants in. By that government not being in the position that God wants, it blocks. And guess what happened? The whole nation suffers. The whole nation suffers. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast. If you'd like this message in its entirety, contact us by phone at 407-628-3229, extension 114, or visit our online store at www.thelifecenter.org.